unidentifiable flying object. UFO continues to be a mystery. Wasn't alone in space. Sightings of UFOs. Something out there. Close enough to be observed. What could it be? It can only be a thing. A UFO. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode, the Christmas episode of uh, UFO No. Thank you all for joining the show. I am Santa. No, I, it's, it's, uh, I'm an imposter. I'm an imposter. Oh, there goes my hat. <laughs> Didn't last very long. Welcome. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's Christmas Eve. So excited about this show. Look, I got to tell you, uh, we, we got a, I got a great one for you because, uh, I was thinking, what do we do here? We're going on four years for this podcast. We got a great community going on. And uh, I thought, let's go back to the beginning. Huh? How long has it been since you heard the very first episode of UFO? No, I, I know it's been a long time. We got Blind Mike started this thing out with me. Uh, my friend Lucas Dixon started this thing out with me. And and man, I mean, what what a journey this show has been on. And uh, so I thought, what better way to celebrate Christmas than to showcase the origins of, uh, you know, of UFO? No, because we're talking about the origins of uh, little baby Jesus, right? The origins of Santa Claus. And uh, and so uh, and so let's talk about the origins of UFO. No. So, again, this goes way back. You can see <laughs> the way we started things out. So much fun. Anyways, I hope you all love the show as much as I do. Thank you all. The support, the community we built. Uh, I hope you all have a great, great Christmas. And um, and uh, I just love you all. I love you all. Merry Christmas. I hope you have a phenomenal one. You get to spend some time with family. It's everything you wanted it to be. Um, and uh, anyways, without further ado, I'm going to give to you the very first episode of UFO No. UFO no I am Ben Austin. I want to believe in UFOs, but I don't know because I have never seen anything, but all signs point to yes. I'm joined also by my friend Lucas Dixon. Hey, how's it going, everyone? I mean, I believe in UFOs, but at the same time, I am skeptic on most of them. And then Blind Mike. I only see what I think I see. Our eyes deceive us, Mike. Yours do not, because they don't They do not do anything. That's fine. I listen to most of it. I've made up my mind. If sometime within the next 20 years, we got trains that can travel on the upside of eight, 900 miles an hour, I'm convinced. Of UFOs? Trails and monorails, yeah. There's just, that's it? That's all it's going to take? Yeah, there's a whole other thing. There's just alleged stuff to where you can travel underground through just give me with one these second. military... That's pretty badass. Yeah. So if I see that somewhere in the actual public within the next 20 years, then, you know, 
where else would we have gotten? I mean, there's that? already really fast trains, not 800, yeah. 900 no, miles half an that. hour. Half that. In Japan, yeah, is most of them. Yeah, monorails. But I believe they just came out with another fast train. I'm not for sure what the speed was. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, yeah, man. See, okay, so it what would is be it? a jump from what yours is doing to this, but it's only 200 miles an hour. At is the, the fastest? Yeah. Yeah. This one says 374 was what this one was able to achieve. Wow, 374 miles an hour. Here's what I can't fathom. I can't fathom being on that train and not feeling like you're going that fast. Well, How do they accomplish that? Electromagnetic fields having that anti-gravitational magnetic field pulsing around it yeah. lessens the amount of G-force in half. What have you dug up for us, dude? I am entertaining the idea of military installments on other celestial bodies in our solar system. Celestial bodies being planets, moons, things of that nature. Gotcha. All right, so military installations on the moon and or other planets. That's right. Gosh, that'd be awesome. Wouldn't it? All right, so what do you have for us, Mike? Well, I'm going to go back to... I mean, what kind of evidence? I want to see the evidence! Fuck you. Military. Apollo 11. July 20th, 1969. First and foremost, talking about our first lunar landing on the moon. Okay. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. Okay. 1969. We get up there in the moon. There's known emergency on uh, them landing the craft on the planet. They had to make an unscheduled landing further out. They actually almost ran out of fuel. This is known? NASA records. Apollo 11 landing. You can go on to NASA's actual site and watch satellite footage of things happening. This is the one that everybody <clears throat> believes to not have happened. Yeah, because there's conspiracies Studios out there that people whatever. are saying, yeah, that it the was moon. faked. Yeah. And all well, that. they don't take into factors that not only is there the light from the sun, but there was also lights on the ships. So uh, that would be light coming from two directions, casting two different shadows. So eat dicks, people. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, and I would agree with that. Two and a half hours of transmission. Jesus, holy shit. Okay, so you're saying that they had a... I'm saying they had a, a <clears throat> slight malfunction in the sense that they had to find a new landing spot. They landed oh, that in wasn't, a place other wasn't where than they where it to was be. intended. They okay. almost ran out of fuel doing it. Now, some other people theorize and whatever that they were after chasing things, whatever. That's why they had moved. But either way, what's on document is that they had a problem landing. Neil Armstrong landed it himself on the moon, but in an unscheduled part of the crater. Oh, okay. Uh, Tranquil Base, I believe. The person that was in charge of the transmissions at the time, the head director, was, had claimed that they had officially acknowledged that they switched to the medical channel during this uh, I'm problem punch that in there's here. two minutes of missing transmissions out of the two and a half hours oh yeah here you go here it is mm-hmm. moon mm-hmm. look at that <laughs> nasa moon landing shock what did apollo 11 discover during lost two minutes of silence oh is that how many minutes were gone then <laughs> is that how many minutes of lost transmission there were <laughs> But there are some researchers who question whether NASA has told the entire truth about the landing. Here's what some believe happened during two mysterious minutes when Apollo 11 went silent. The only <coughs> documented anything were accounts of civilians with high-frequency radios that were listening at home of the time of these two minutes. It was alleged that they switched to a medical channel, which was later confirmed by NASA's head communications director. It was these people's accounts of what they were saying. 
NASA's official explanation is that they are lost and have been. No one has them. That channel was not public, and it could have been very easily used to communicate information that you didn't want to be heard over the general public transmissions. Yeah, astronauts had a direct line to their physicians in case they experienced anything untimely, whatever. I mean, you think of all the space rays, gamma rays, things floating about. You get pierced through the head, start going blind. You're going to need to talk to your physician at how to handle your shit life or death there's this guy mike barra author of ancient aliens on the moon they use this channel to communicate and what he says is what's really interesting about that story is the fact that within 30 minutes of landing on the moon that story was circulating around nasa that hey guess what they saw something on the rim of the crater they were all upset they didn't know what to do they didn't know if they should go out neil armstrong is a ballsy man he came out a full 17 <laughs> minutes before aldrin left the vehicle <laughs> He's like, look up it. that information too. Walk yeah, up yes, the... there, you're up there. Do your job. Who knows what they believed at the time? It was after the whole Roswell thing. Who knows what anybody believed? So they get up there. Who knows what they were expecting to find? Maybe they were expecting to find aliens, you know, space critters, whatever, running around. You don't have no idea. Yeah. And their mind, and they're very reluctant to release that in fear of getting grounded due to mental illness. That's yeah, because they... saying so- saying something that no one else believes in, yeah. I believe it's saying stuff that you're not supposed to say. David Whitehead, he's a radio host, and he's talking about part of the story that he believes gives it credit is the fact that you can look by the astronaut's tense and sullen body language in post-return interviews. It's interesting when you watch the feed of when they came back from the moon and they're not sitting there jumping up and down for joy saying, I had the most incredible experience of my life. I was on the moon. They're not saying that. They look very sullen, very depressed. They're looking down. They almost look like they want to vomit. That's how disturbed they look. It was a three-day journey to the moon, and they claimed the one of the days that they were being followed by something. They asked if it That's was crazy. the rocket that they had jettisoned off, and they NASA responded that it was nowhere near the right location. So yeah. something followed them for like two days of the trip, monitoring their flight. That's crazy, man. And that's these are astronauts. Can you get a more credible witness? Yeah, no shit. Who else really knows? I don't care who's down there at Houston. Mm-hmm. You've only looked at pictures. You don't yeah. know shit about what's yeah, up there. Yeah, how can you discredit being on the being down on the earth? Yeah. How can you discredit Everyone. their eyewitness testimony? And you know, I've seen I've seen interviews with with all these theorists and these scientists and doctors that will say the intense stress that's put on astronauts causes all kinds of visual phenomena and I'm going, "Hold on a second." These guys literally go through years of training for that and exact thing. One of their primary concerns is their psychiatric state, right? Absolutely. I mean, well, yeah. not to mention, you're sending them up there to rally the information back. Yeah. If you're going to deem them unworthy, then how can you pick and choose how what can, information exactly. that you're keeping? Yeah. How can oh, you tell me this true. is absolute fact, but then half of what they're saying yeah. is not allowed. Well, yeah, because you got to think about what it takes to become an astronaut. Like Absolutely. like you were saying to me, Mike, on the way up here, these aren't military guys. These are scientists. They're scientists that go through semi-military training. Yeah. Being physically capable yeah. of handling those Gs. So not like you said, is. how can yeah, exactly. how can an agency simply just dismiss these an eyewitness account as, oh, well, clearly it was just the stress of being in space. What? These astronauts have been in space multiple times. Yeah. There's regular maintenance. Well, maybe not at that well, time. Well, and simulations of going to space. Not, space Station. On top of that, you know. Yeah. Neil Armstrong was sent up there, had some shit go down, and very, very calmly got them back to safety. It was, oh, 
their uh, ship started rotating out of control. They would have died. And he had to time the thrusters like they're blacking out. He cannot see. He's feeling the rotation and timing when he's slowly putting the thrusters on the one side to slow them out. And he kept himself and a Russian astronaut, I believe, alive. Wow. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin claiming five or so ships parked on the far side of the crater watching them. Yeah. This is out of their mouths. Just somebody allegedly heard the radio channel. To the best of my knowledge, NASA claims that all of those feeds are gone. And so it can only be speculation as to what they did and didn't see. No one could recreate it other than their own accounts. Milton Cooper, a naval intelligence officer, tells us that not only does the alien base exist, but the U.S. naval intelligence community refers to the alien base as Luna, that there is a huge mining operation going on there. That is amazing. And that is where the aliens keep their huge motherships while the trips to Earth are made in smaller flying saucers, quote-unquote. Unconfirmed reports, both Neil Armstrong and Ed Aldrin saw UFOs shortly after their historic landing on the moon in 1969. According to former NASA employee Otto Binder, unnamed radio hams with their own VHF receiving facilities that bypass NASA's broadcasting outlets picked up the following in exchange. NASA, what's there? Mission Control calling Apollo 11. Apollo 11. These babies are huge, sir. Enormous. Oh my God, you wouldn't believe it. I'm telling you, there are other spacecraft out there lined up on the far side of the crater edge. They're on the moon watching us. Maurice Chatelaine comes into play because he confirms that Armstrong did indeed report seeing UFOs. Oh, that's more than I got. The encounter was common knowledge in NASA, he revealed, but nobody has talked about it until now. So so then Soviet scientists were allegedly the first to confirm the incident. According to our information, the encounter was reported immediately after the landing in the module, said Dr. Vladimir Azadsar, or whatever the fuck, a physicist and professor at mathematics at Moscow University. Neil Armstrong relayed the message to Missing Control that two large mysterious objects were watching them after having landed near the moon module, but his message was never heard by the public because NASA censored it. According to another Soviet scientist, Alexander something Russian, Buzz Aldrin took color movie film of the UFOs from inside the module and continued filming them after he and Armstrong went outside. Dr. Something claims that the UFOs departed minutes after the astronauts came out of the lunar surface. Marie Chatelaine also confirmed the Apollo 11's radio transmissions were interrupted on several occasions in order to hide the news from the public. Before dismissing Chatelaine's sensational claims, it is worth noting his impressive background in the aerospace industry and space program. One of his 11 patents was an automatic flights to the moon. Later, at North American Aviation, Shadling was offered the job of designing and building the Apollo communications and data processing systems. Shadling claims that all Apollo and Gemini flights were followed both at a distance and sometimes also quite closely by space vehicles of extraterrestrial origin flying saucers, or UFOs if you want to call them by that name. Every time it occurred, the astronauts informed Mission Control, who then ordered absolute silence. He goes on to say, I think that Walter Shira aboard Mercury 8 was the first of the astronauts to use the codename Santa Claus to mm. indicate the presence of flying saucers next to space capsules. However, his announcements were barely noticed by the general public. 
It was a little different when James Lovell, on board the Apollo 8 command module, came out from behind the moon and said for everybody to hear, please be informed that there is a Santa Claus. Even though this happened on Christmas Day 1968, <laughs> many people sensed a hidden meaning in those words. Oh, man. Isn't so, that unfortunate? So rumors persist that NASA may well be a civilian agency, but many of its programs are funded by the defense budget, and most of the astronauts are subject to, quote-unquote, military security regulations. Apart from the fact that the National Security Agency screens all films and probably radio communications as well, we have the statements by Otto Bender, Dr. Gary Henderson, and Maury Chatelain that the, Austro- that the astronauts were under strict orders not to discuss their sightings. And Gordon Cooper, who testified to the United Nations Committee that one of the astronauts actually witnessed a UFO on the ground. If there is no secrecy, why was this sighting not been made public? A certain professor who wished to remain anonymous was engaged in a discussion with Neil Armstrong during a NASA symposium. Professor, what really happened out there with Apollo 11? Armstrong, it was incredible. Of course, we had always known there was a possibility. In fact, the fact is, we were warned off, quote, by the aliens. There was never any question then of a space station or a moon city. Professor, how do you mean warned off? Armstrong, I can't go into details except to say that their ships were far superior to ours, both in size and technology. Boy, they were big and menacing. No, there is no question of a space station. Professor, but NASA had other missions after Apollo 11? Armstrong, naturally. NASA was committed at that time and couldn't risk panic on Earth. But it really was a quick scoop and back again. It's pretty funny. Crazy. Armstrong confirmed that the story was true, but refused to go into further detail beyond admitting that the CIA was behind the cover-up. Well, I've heard talks of dome-shaped buildings, large 50 to 100 story towers. We're in it. Here we go. Roads, bridges. Reasonable activity of an alien civilization showed up unexpectedly close to us. However, we were not psychologically ready for it. I had trouble with that word. We will still come across publications trying to find an answer, but here we go. Here is an exact or an extract from the official press release by NASA. NASA scientists and engineers participating in exploration of Mars and the moon reported the results of their discoveries at a briefing at the Washington National Press Club on March 21st, 1996. It was announced for the first time that man-made structures and objects have been discovered on the moon. The scientists spoke rather cautiously and evasively about these objects, with the exception of a UFO. They always mentioned that the man-made objects are possible and stated the information was still under study and other and official results will be published later. It was mentioned at the briefing as well that the Soviet Union used to own some photo materials proving the presence of such activity on the moon. Although it wasn't identified what kind of activity it was, thousands of photo and video materials from the Apollo's and Clementine's space station showed many parts of the lunar surface where this activity and its traces were perfectly evident. The video films and photos made by the U.S. astronauts during the Apollo program were demonstrated at the briefing. People were extremely surprised why the materials hadn't been presented to the public earlier. NASA specialists answered, it was difficult to forecast the reaction of people to to information that some creatures had been or still are on the moon. There were some other reasons to it, which were beyond the control of NASA. Specialist for lunar studies Richard Hoagland says that NASA is still trying to alter photo materials before they are published to public 
catalogs and files. They do some retouching or are partially refocusing them while copying. Some investigators, Hoagland is among them, suppose the extraterrestrial race had used the moon as a terminal station during their activity on Earth. These suggestions are confirmed by the legends and myths of different nations of our planet. What? Well, I mean, I know we stopped sending official space missions to the moon yeah. after 1979. We just backed off for no reason. This would corroborate that. China has sent some stuff there. They sent a rover up there, and it would it died within minutes. Blamed it on the dust. Yeah. Because it is subject to a lot of meteor impacts. Well, yeah, they so were saying that the... I can't remember exactly what it was. The energizing rays from the sun mm-hmm. caused well, the yeah. dust to become... Constant. Positively charged and therefore oh, bounce. Oh yeah, it's it, no, it's it's uh, magnetized. It is sticks it is? to you. It's oh so yeah, fine. And it, it. But they were saying it was literally just like popping up off the ground. Nothing was agitating it. That they were because there was also sightings of what looked like agitated dust on the moon. So they caught this in a oh. picture. So partly it was that one yes moon pigeons or whatever they were calling That's what it. They but but it. one yes was that they <laughs> lost a a probe or whatever it got hit by something and it went down and then the other was that they actually had video what looked like a cloud was hovering from the moon and Mm -hmm. so what they so even though it's all speculation they can't really prove exactly what it was they're saying if there's structures now you'd think but what they're saying is that what caused that is that the sun's rays positively charged the dust particles and cause them to become active and therefore jump around, like wow. literally. The other things who are saying that what could have taken that drone down is even these dust particles, even just being dust, that at that speed of rotation of orbit would be like the speed of a bullet, and so therefore could take out. But that's a stretch. It's that's that's a huge. There's too many holes. I mean, that's a lot of like. Well, it's this and it's that combined with this and trajectory <sighs> and you know carry the nine. And, well, because I mean, that's Jesus, like just that's throwing not- out a dartboard. Yeah, yeah. That's none of the research I'd gotten from the dust. Yes, the sun magnetizes the particles to where they stick to stuff, but the moon also gets hit by a lot of different meteors yeah. all the time. Yeah. Would that not kick up dust? Would that well, but that's the thing, though, is, is that there's no... There's no atmosphere, so what causes uh, it to settle back down? I don't know. If it gets hit, flung up in the air, that... and constantly rotating around... And you would the, think then that the whole moon would just have these big pooms of dust just floating there. Until, oh. it, until it settles down because it's magnetized and then grips to the floor. Astronauts from all the Apollos have talked about when they're impacted by these meteors, it's basically like glass, the heat. The dust becomes glass and jagged and it gets into the crooks and creases of your stuff. And then it starts malfunctioning technology being magnetized, oh. no less. But all the spacesuits, they've had problems with it ripping through several layers of Kevlar. Wow. It just tears right through it because it's so microscopically sharp that eventually if it gets in there and then you're moving, it's constantly sawing into it. My theory is on what took down the Chinese robot. Wow. But, Dust razor blades. Basically, yeah. Moon and razor that, blades. That's I, and crazy. It seems feasible as to why we wouldn't have continued on the moon because that does put everybody at risk if yeah. you're... Well, but, and imagine the expense of having to repair all that. You well, because uh, Russia failed dust. a couple times trying to land there as well yeah. after we did. It's very interesting. This is saying that the ruins of Lunar City stretch for kilometers, huge domes on massive basements, numerous tunnels, mm-hmm. 
and other constructions caused scientists to reconsider their opinions concerning the moon. That's crazy. How the moon appeared the, and principles of its revolving around the earth still pose a great problem for scientists. Some partially destroyed objects on the lunar surface can't be placed among natural geolo- geological formations mm-hmm. as they are of complex organization and geometrical structure. In the upper part of Rima Hadley, not far from the place where the Apollo 15 had landed, a construction surrounded by a tall D-shaped wall was discovered. As of now... 44 regions of the moon have these structures on them. No shit. Yep. You know, I do remember reading something about the, the actual moon being partially hollow. Well, yeah. yeah, we put seismologists, the first actual scientists to be able to go up there, the first geologists, they were taking rock samples, they plugged it. I don't remember what it was that they jettisoned, but they were like, hey, Mission Control, can we launch this into the moon so that way they'd get an earthquake, so that way they could get a seismology yeah. picture of what the inside looked like, and the moon rung like a bell for almost an hour. That's and, crazy. I mean, like, I think that they also dropped something else into it later, and it actually rang for three days. Wow, really? Yeah. Wow. Which, I mean, if there's underground tunneling and stuff, then, yeah, I mean, yeah. to a degree, because we thought the moon to be dead, but obviously. And also that the outside, so one side of the moon, since we only see the inner side, mm-hmm. they're thinking that the farther side is actually heavier than the inner side. Mm, stands to reason there's no magnetic core and then the side would be so much colder obviously making it way more dense yeah so i mean that i mean so that being said all together would it be off to say that there might be some on the back side of the moon no that's where it's all alleged to go down yeah that's crazy man so there's there's lots of talks about it in my paper there's uh, that account i was telling you that 17 year old kid that had claimed to be abducted talks about going to command base luna describes all of these structures that's crazy that he said that yeah that's why when you were reading there i was like no shit (laughs) what's this guy's name again randy kramer eugene oregon 17 years old claims to be awakened by an intense light resembling a doorway when two men in all black step through into his room and pull randy through the door Taken to an underground area with other people huddled around a big black triangular craft, TR-3B. Yeah, that's the government black budget vehicle I was talking about. An alleged black budget military vehicle he was talking about, designed to mimic the functions of UFOs. Alleged Mach 15 speed, he and 30 to 40 others are ushered on board. The man containing... That's a pretty big claim, 40 people. Yeah, that's crazy. The man captaining the ship says, we're going to take one last look at the planet. Kramer claims the entire dome ceiling basically projected a screen or viewing lens, and he could see the Earth from space. The captain said, take a look. This is home. This is what you're fighting for. He told them they are about to land on Command Base Luna. On the far side of the moon, Randy describes domes, tall 100-story building, and towers. They land, and Randy is briefed on why he's chosen. He's told he will be serving 20-year tour, protecting off-planet secret human colonies. We're right from what you just said, way further in on the moon thing, yeah. than the, which backs up a lot of this guy's claim. But we've, I told you about the underground aquifer-like things on Mars. Yeah, it's uh, being theorized that that is where we are going to colonize. 
I mean, the atmosphere is mostly carbon dioxide. If we started sending plants, that's all we'd really have to do to terraform the atmosphere. Now, didn't they find that on the side of a crater? Uh, what? That there was, like, an aquifer on there? Uh, yeah, on the side some... of the crater. It started shooting out of the side yeah. and then going down, but it's way too cold. Uh, for that to happen there's a special kind of salt that we know of that drops the freezing point of water down to like 97 degrees below and that's what it would have to have in that's what it would go and then it would get to the bottom of the shadowed crater and then refreeze or dissolve or whatever have you it is all sand but yeah it's periodic because they first started seeing satellite designs and it just looked like snail trails all in patterns or writings or whatever it looked like yeah and they weren't really for sure with what that was Mm -hmm. from so then yeah it turns out from the water shooting out and then drifting down because of the localized deposits of this specific salt but yeah just to get it to work i mean with the high amounts of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere we could completely send seeds up there i mean seeds can survive the vacuum of space yeah and they've already proven that yep, so. 12 million seeds replanted over the u.s yeah. according to kramer mars was colonized by humans in the 60s and from that moment began a very ambitious project to establish human bases there in the 60s which finally 1975 was installed for the first objective of extracting minerals kramer also says that it was a corporation that is responsible for managing all projects on mars which recruiting and training him along with thousands of young people more like super soldiers. Which, as I said, DARPA is currently yeah. doing genetic <laughs> recomposition to where we're looking into right now being able to regrow soldiers' limbs. Oh, that's trippy. Yeah, that's, isn't that crazy? So Kramer also said that the atmosphere of Mars is similar to that of the Earth, and although the air is denser, you can breathlessly breathe for humans. But despite this, and special suit is necessary to be able to do any work outside the basis because oxygen is very little. Randy Kramer also said that there is an abundant vegetation on the planet in some areas that are not currently known, and that the sky is blue when the sun is setting, but during the day the sky is purple and red. This latest information has been admitted by NASA in its latest revealed photographs mind you this you know this comes from him in 1975 right or 1987 1987 was when he was 17 and it happened that's right according to him former agent of nasa also revealed that on the planet of mars there are two types of beings that are native to the planet and that dominate certain territories a race of reptiles and another race of insects both endowed with intelligence and sometimes during the time he was there battles between them for controls in territories of the planet. According to Kramer, after 17 years of fulfilling missions on this red planet, one day after sleeping, he woke up in his room being 17 years old again. But strangely, they could not erase from his mind the memories of this experience. He specifically said he went through like 10 years of regressional memory therapy trying to remember this. That's crazy, I heard it out of his mouth. He, uh, like, he talked about picking the dirt up off the ground on mars and like i said feeling the wind on his face and what have you that's crazy the insects and reptile alleged race yeah if it's desert like that those would be the two types of creatures you would see isn't that very nuts that is true i wonder since it's colder there though yeah with the reptiles being i mean they would not essentially be a reptile then I mean, I mean, they go underground. If water is able to be under there, who knows what the temperature, true. if it's a molten-esque core. Well, I, mean, yeah. I got the my theory. Go down, yeah, yeah I, I, I got my theory on why we're trying to terraform that, because it's known that we have a giant black hole in the center of our 
galaxy here and slowly pulling everything, I feel like that's what's keeping it all spinning. I think the slower or the more it pulls something in, for all we know, uh, Venus was Earth before it moved too close and burned up, and then we're fine. We were Mars before, and then Mars will be Earth after. Yeah. And just slowly, slowly progressing in, outwards. Moving too close to the sun to sustain life. We already know that that's what we have been theorizing since we didn't have shit for knowledge, was that someday that star will burn up and kill all of us. Yeah. So it's contingency plan. Colonize the solar system, bridge outward, start mining for the trillions of, mil- of millions of dollars of minerals that you can get off of these. And progress outwards as far as can. Absolutely. The, and learning the new elements we're finding. I mean, if we have technology to be able to breathe in space on a mostly carbon dioxide filled atmosphere, who knows what other types of atmospheres that we can survive without suits if his claim has any merit to it. I'm, You know, it's crazy because, I mean, his story's way out there, but he was a captain in NASA. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, once again, you know, it kind of comes back to how do you discredit this? Yeah, because this know? is well, after. That's it. I they, mean, that's, yeah. you know, that's kind of hard to discredit, but. Absolutely. 2002, Gary McKinnon, right? This is just a guy that had hacked NASA and the U.S. militaries. I don't know if he's finished with his time or his done time. I can't imagine that you hack NASA and united security and really get to come back out but i've seen interviews with him so he gets some level of access but he claims to have found all sorts of files well i think he did 40 years like you said fucking 40 years jesus for finding the truth well he's got information yeah there's got to be a little leverage in there yeah you could just kill him but who knows yeah he's a computer hacker that's the worst hack the planet has ever seen to get in to our security yeah. So if he did that, who knows what kind of backup files in the event of his death, you know, enter some supervillain plot here. <laughs> if I don't check this computer every four hours, <laughs> it will be sent to all other major governments with all of your secrets. Yeah. Russia will rise. Okay, so it says between February 2001 and March 2002, Gary McKinnon, who was initially looking for evidence of free energy suppression and a cover-up of UFO activity and other technologies potentially useful to the public hacked into 16 NASA computers as well as dozens of U.S. Army, Navy, Air Force, and Department of Defense computers. The Americans believed he had caused $800,000 worth of damage to computers. He suspects that in the last 60 years or so that there has been some back engineering in the creation of this type of equipment, which is not nearly as sophisticated yet as what the apparent visitors have. Senator Daniel K. Inui, I don't know what that name is, said, there exists a shadowy government with its own Air Force, its own Navy, its own fundraising mechanism, and the ability to pursue its own ideas of the national interest, free from all checks and balances, and free from the law itself. Well, if we've got alleged secret colonies on other planets of human civilization, that's already the seed. Something hits the planet and wipes everybody else out. We got our plan covered. Yeah. We're already doing it. Gary, the man who hacked NASA, firmly states that he uncovered evidence that United States has a fully operational fleet of space warships. Yep, Solar Warden. 
He says, I kept thinking they're going to close this door. I scanned and looked for documents. I found an Excel spreadsheet which said non-terrestrial officers, states McKinnon. Which is exactly what Kramer claimed yeah. to be. It had ranks and names. It had tabs for material transfer between ships. I took that to be they must have ships based in space. The name started with USS. Hmm. Gary McKinnon is accused of mounting the biggest ever hack in the history of the United States by breaking into the computers of the Army, Air Force, Navy, and NASA. Furthermore, the NASA hacker claims that he uncovered around 25 rows of details of officers' ranks, names, and ships accordingly. McKinnon firmly argues that the secret, secret space fleet has warships with prefix USS, just like all vessels belonging to the USA. In TR-3Bs. In 2005, McKinnon told The Guardian, once you're on the network, you can do a command called NetStat, network status, and it lists all the connections to that machine. There were hackers from Denmark, Italy, Germany, Turkey, Thailand, every night for the entire five to seven years I was doing this. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, there's alleged to be two sizes in this fleet. One is 300 yards across and one 600 yards across. Yeah. That's... Those are massive. That's that's huge. Three football fields for the smaller ships. Yeah. Well, according to retired aerospace engineer William Tompkins, thousands, not just a few, thousands of people have joined the Navy here in the United States. They joined the Space Navy. They signed up for a 20-year tour. So these folks, men and women, were given a lot of examinations and a lot of information on what they were going to need. Many of them went to the moon, our moon, and facilities there and got checked out and organized and established where is the best place they're going to go, what their criteria is going to be, what major area they're going to develop, like what class in the university. And then they get sent to a Mars facility for a short time. Thompson and McKinnon aren't the only two who've spoken out about a space fleet. That is exactly what Kramer claimed. That's crazy. Exactly, going from the moon right to Mars. Secret yeah. Space Program whistleblower Kerry Good said that Mars was first visited by the Germans as far back as 1930s. Well, but, that goes into the whole Hitler finding yeah. UFOs prior and yeah. then scrapped the project because he couldn't figure out the whole uh, electromagnetic field around it. People kept dying getting too close to it. But during the 1970s, U.S. space programs were actively exploring Mars and other planets to establish bases. In 1980, the U.S. SP became Solar Warden. Under Project Solar Warden, vast development and colonization occurred on Mars and other planets. Good continues bases on Mars were built under the surface. In addition to Good, a former NASA employee claimed there were secret manned missions to Mars over 20 years ago. In an interview with Coast to Coast AM, a woman by the name of Jackie called about humans on Mars, something that has been discussed among other alleged NASA employees for years. She says, then I saw two men in spacesuits. Not the bulky suits were normally used, but they looked protective. They came over the horizon walking to the Viking Explorer. Even NASA's admitted that we're working on skin suit technology. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, what's crazy is this idea was proposed in 1960. Can you imagine? By Lieutenant General. Can you imagine where Army it's at now? Sent that, that letter to Eisenhower. Never got confirmation on whether it was approved or denied. But he claimed that it would cost $6 billion in 1960, and it would only take them six years to get there. 
That means completion in 1966, three years before we landed somebody there. Wow. That's nuts. What, what are your takings away from this? Well, my takings away from this is that we actually might have already space technology. And like everything else that is military, it takes 30, 20 to 30 years before it becomes civilianized. So maybe they just said, screw it, we're going to hide this and give them everything else. Send the elite up there, the people they deem worthy, in case, you know, something happens. But if they get it all figured out, then the rest of the public can get on board. Yeah, exactly. And most people that are have like top secret, you know, experience don't want to talk. No. They and they're worried their about it. Yeah, so, I mean, that being said, it's very easy to say, all right, look, either way, it's going to be covered up or you're not going to get any of your credentials. You're going to lose them all. You're going to be stripped. So, Mike, do you believe it? Oh, I absolutely believe it. That's why I do all this research. I so, believe that if and I there mean, were any crashes, they were few and far in between, we reverse engineered it, have been secretly working on refining this technology this long, and then... It's exactly what we would do. That's what you would do on Earth, on foot. That's what we did to colonize the planet. And not just... Map this out, move outward, conquer. And not just that, but I mean, I totally... All the information I've heard, most of it sounded familiar. Sounded like I have heard it. Except the alien, or, you know, the insects and lizards. Yeah. That part was That I did not know anything about. out there, but... No, I mean, I believe it. I believe it's real. I believe it's possible. Yeah. Well, this Randy Kramer, the the theory behind if he did get picked up in a ship and then did 20 years in the future and was sent back, that proposes the idea of a wormhole. Yeah. That is two points in space connected to two different points in time. That would be time travel. Well, and that actually might be one of the ways that they decided how to do it to travel towards another planet. It's more effective. Somebody spends their time sends you back to your present while they continue in the future. Yeah. Think and about I mean, if we technologically advance, send it back to us, their future automatically by the transitive property becomes more advanced. Well, and not, always stay a step ahead. Not just that, but it probably was a prototype series. That, so they had to make a prototype, see if it actually worked out, and then move out to the next planet if it was possible. Mm-hmm. Well, the wormhole principle seems to be related to this quantum entanglement that I've been talking about. Yeah. is that's, the Quantum entanglement would be half of it. I don't know how they connect it by time, but we have already connected two points in space, regardless of how far. The most we've made it is 1,000 miles. Still, though. That's a huge distance, but it's still, it's only data that is being transferred, not physical beings. But still, though, even just the concept, I mean, if you're that close where you can do that with data, you know that they're just a few steps away from transporting a goat. Yeah, why not? If we can already clone them, we got to Or an apple inside of a goat. Always the goat. (laughs) Always the goat. Mike is going to bring us a plethora of amazing information that we're going to go over, and we're just going to trust his brain. So, Mike, thank you for bringing this to our attention today. Absolutely. Know your government. Yeah, no shit. Know your government. And know also the fact that as much as you think you know your government, you probably don't. I know that you can't trust them, so well, where else from there? I've got yeah. theories on everything, dude. Yeah. It's- trust the government like you would trust a meth addict... They'll steal from you and help you look for it. There you go. That's the government. Keep a vigilant eye out there. If you see something, say something.
That's right. You got always. And do I'm not it. talking about tourists and all that. I'm talking about. I'm well, talking about the aliens. If, if you see that, probably mention that too. Well, yeah, maybe you might want to drop a little Just, hint, yeah, yeah, or two, or, you know, or move, you know, out but of the area. but more so, we want to know if you hear about aliens. That's what we want to know about. I believe I see militia forming. Tinfoil. Militia. Militia! The tinfoil. Militia. I joined the militia, but why would you? What do you think tap water is? It's a gay bomb, baby. Oh, I hope y'all enjoyed that little blast from the past. Going back in time to episode one. A uh, little UFO no in the manger. Huh? <laughs> the three wise men, not so wise men, as in me, Lucas Dixon, and uh, and uh, and Blind Mike, of course, uh, bringing the frankincense, myrrh, and whatever the fuck else it was that showed up uh, for a bit, little baby Jesus from the three wise men. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, anyways. I hope you all enjoyed it. I I love going back through it. It still makes me laugh. Uh, listening to how dumb we all are. Anyways, I hope you all enjoy the show. Thank you for, for being a part of this in our community. Um, as usual, this is the part of the show where we say, Hey, the greatest gift you can give us is your support. And that support is in the, is in the, the, uh, shape of time, talent, or treasure. So, you know, if it's your time, donate, you know, not, not just donate, but I mean, donate your time as far as like links, stories that you think your encounters, your experiences, you know, join the discord community, things like that. That's all time. Talent is, you know, like our friend Casey Armadillo who does merch on the side, which by the way, coming up new year's Eve, big show. We're giving away, we're giving away a box of merch. It's going to have like a tumbler and a mug and a couple other things in there from our friend Casey Armadillo that gave us the merch in the first place. So during our new year's Eve show, we're going to be giving it away. And all you got to do is be watching through the show and uh, pay attention to the secret phrase that we're going to give away during the show. And so at the end of it, we're going to ask everybody to put in that phrase in the chat, and then we're going to pick the winner and whoever it is, we'll ship it off to you, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. And Casey makes some great stuff, but that's part of it is Casey. He donates. He's a, he's a great guy. He's on his way to Admiral and, uh, he made some merch for us cause he loves the show. And he was like, Hey, I want to do a little, you know, help you guys out with merch. And I said, look, you help us out with merch. You just keep all the money you get from it, which I'm sure hasn't been much, if, if anything at all. But um, keep it all, and if you feel like you start turning it into something and you feel like it's worthy of donating to us, then you could do that. But otherwise, just put it all back into the merch, and let's get let's get you know people involved. And so that's what we want. We want to build a community discord. Uh, UFONOPodcast.net is another place where you can go to get involved. And, uh, and of course, we got a new member, Julian Lloyd. Thank you, Julian, for joining us. And, of course, we got our road to Admiral. Um, in fact, I tried to bring it up here. I, I thought, let me, let me bring it up here real quick, real quick. I've got the road to Admiral. I want to give these people a shout-out because uh, they are putting in their uh, their treasure and like I said, with uh, with Casey Armadillo, 
he he does time, talent, and treasure, the, the trifecta, which you can also do. But any donation means the world. But we've got Casey Armadillo. This is all the people in on the road to Admiral. We've got Casey Armadillo at 230 bucks. Uh, we've got Carlton Turner at 93, Matthew Morfitt at 78, Rihanna Little at 60, Clyde Boudreau, 50, Aaron Rice, 44, Alex Keeter, 40, Edwin Everhart, 36, as well as Jesse, Jet Life Teague at 35, Max Eclipse at 20, Michael Benavides, also 20, Torsten Groteek, who's been a, a, a regular donor uh, uh, as of late, 15 bucks, Morgan, 14, Turst, Kanan five and Nathan Higme one. And now we've got Julian. Uh, what was the name again? Julian Lloyd at at one as well. So road to Admiral, get involved. That's what we want. And uh, we just, we just want to get people, people with us. That's it. Build community. But I hope you all have a phenomenal Christmas, Christmas Eve. Santa's on his way. He's coming. I hope you've been good, but also I hope you've been naughty, huh? Make him work for it. Make him work for it, but hopefully it didn't cost you any presents. Huh? I love you all. We got a big New Year's Eve show. Remember to stay tuned for that. Coming at you next Sunday. Uh, love you all. Remember to uh, support us, UFONOPodcast.net. Join the Discord. And, uh, and of course, new episodes every Sunday, 6.30 p.m., live on Rumble. Uh, buy some merch, get involved, be a boner, not a donor, be an official tinfoilist in the tinfoil militia. Stay elevated, keep your eyes to the skies, and watch out for the government. They're shysty bastards. Ho, ho, ho!